Welcome to GFC Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you chose to listen to today's message. I'm really excited about this message. I start teaching on a title called Dare to be Restored. We're taking through a journey where we learn from different stories in the Bible where God picked up people and brought them to where they need to be. I really hope you'll be blessed through this message. Stay until the end. God bless. The story of Moses, the same story. Like literally, it's hard to find in the Bible uh, people that haven't been restored. There are people that we don't know whether they were restored at some point uh, or not. These are the people that didn't have any impact. Like, like some of the kings. He was born uh, at this time and he became a king and he died. There's a man actually in the Bible called Tola. His name is Tola. And he was born and, and he was a king and he died. Within two verses. I remember one preacher, preacher saying, may God save you from a spirit of Tola. Like your life as if your life never matters. You were born and you died. You haven't done nothing in life. But the people who have done something specially for God are people that get to be restored. Amen? Amen? So don't fear. Like, you know, don't fear failing. That's what God does. It took for Moses to go out, make a mistake, and kill an Egyptian for God to restore him back to himself and restore him back to the nation and deliver his purpose. It took Abraham making mistakes and having children outside of his, uh, his marriage for, and, and, and his relationship with his wife for God to show up and restore his faith in him and restore him back to his calling. So do not be afraid of mistakes that you've made or things that happen in your life. They only signify who God is. If you guys remember last week, we, what we concluded with was uh, when we get restored, they show the restorer, not us. When you get restored, you don't have anything. Like, you, don't have, oh, you can't say, oh, I had a, a five-year plan, and I had a 30-year plan, and I have a 50-year plan, and I did all this, and I completed it. I just retired, and now I have my own, I'm on my last plan for my life. Like, you know? You don't have that story where you glorify yourself. You've done it all. No, your story will become, yeah, I did this and I messed up. God restored me. And he became part of your story. It, it no longer becomes about you. It becomes about him. Amen? And I don't think God wants this story to end up being about you. I don't think he has any plan, this story to be, to start with Master being born and Master doing all these amazing things. In accomplishing her purpose. I don't think God wants that story to be about, about you. I think he wants it to be about him. He wants to be part of your story. And to be part of your story, it requires us failing. It's okay. You got it? So what we're learning is dare to be restored, which means dare to, be, to, to fail, dare to mess up. That's what it means. Last week, I think the biggest thing that holds people from, uh, including me, that I noticed that, we don't want to be restored. We don't want to go through that process. It's fear. But I also found out as I was studying the scripture, there is a second stronghold that holds people down. And that's comfort. So we're going to go against comfort today. Amen. 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 Sometimes God rokes your boats in order to make you uncomfortable. So you get out of the boats. But you get out of the boat and you end up in a wave and a situation that's even more uncomfortable than the boat you were in. 
I don't know how many of you guys have felt that. Like you feel like, man, I can no longer be in this job. I can no longer be in this position. I can no longer be in this relationship. I can no longer be, like it's so uncomfortable. I want to get out, but almost like it doesn't get better. The only thing that gets better is you. Not your circumstance, but God changed you in that process. So comfort is another thing that uh, holds us back. But not always God rocks your boat in order for you to be uncomfortable to get out of it. Sometimes we have to be willing to leave the comfort that we are in in order to go out from this comfort zone. So as we talk about being restored, as we talk about somebody being uh, put back together, the biggest restoration in the Bible happened in the story of Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. This story is the biggest restoration in Israel's life. There was a temple that was built by King Solomon, the biggest temple in the world, one of the wealthiest person in the world. Uh, to this day, it's believed that he, is, he was the wealthiest person ever and the most wise person that was destroyed and it has to be rebuilt by Zerubbabel. The walls of Jerusalem were torn down. Their defense, Jerusalem is the most fortified city. In fact, it took hundreds of years, even for the Israelites, to conquer Jerusalem. Joshua could not conquer Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the city in the middle of, by the way, it means peace, Salem. And it was in the middle of Israel, and Jebusites were controlling it. It took King David and God as well for him to take over. Such a fortified city, such a powerful city, but without walls. It has, she had no walls. So it took Nehemiah to restore that back. Uh, it, it took Nehemiah to restore back. Spiritually, Jerusalem was down. So it took a man like Ezra to restore back, to bring spiritual restoration in the, in this, in the city and in the nation. So in this, story of, in this story of restoration, the biggest, God, where, where, the biggest story in the Bible where we see God restoring people back to him. God restoring not only the people, the temple, not only the temple, the city, the walls, where God restored everything. There's something similar about this man and what they have accomplished. And we're going to look at their story and we're going to learn a few things together. Can we pray quickly? Father, I pray that you will speak to us through your word. I pray that this word will remain with us and it will change us and transform us. I pray, Father, Lord, as we finish this sermon and as we finish this service, your men and women will be filled with so much power and passion to go out and to do your will and to trust you for the restoration. We honor you. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the common things about these three men is they all had a good life. Especially uh, Nehemiah had such a great life. He was the king's car bearer. His job is, the mo he's the most trusted person to the king. His job is to taste the wine right before the king tastes the wine. So he is the wine handler. He handles the wine and he brings it to the king. The king trusts him enough to drink that wine. So he has the most uh, secure job in, it, in the whole nation. Now, this wasn't just a random king. This was a king of uh, Persia. This was a king over, over 120 countries. It was one of the biggest empires at the time. And, and he has such a secure job, a probably well-paying job, a good position. He lives in the palace. The, the king knows him. Not only knows him, he knows him so, so close. Then when his face changed, he knew something was up. He looked at him and said, is everything okay? Your eyes, your face 
looks down. Are you okay? I know you. Like they have this relationship. He was so close to this king. Ezra lived in one of their biggest cities and he was a priest. He was a teacher. And at this time, all the countries have been moved from one place to another. So the entire Israelites or the Jews people have been moved to uh, Susa, the, the city called Susa, and everywhere else. And he was a teacher there. Good life. Modern city. And there's no reason for him to go back there. Zerubbabel, his name is born in, in, uh, in Babylon. And in, he has such a prestigious position. He was considered one of the descendants of the kings of Israel. So as such, the kings will treat them differently. They will educate them differently. And then he was sent back to Jerusalem as a governor. He was sent to govern the nation. He has a position. Do you understand what I mean? They all had comfort. They all had comfort. But one thing they also, also have is they were all moved by God. When you are in a place of comfort and when God is trying to move you, move move when you are in a place where you're comfortable everything's working out for you but you know God is just moving your heart into something else bro my sisters just go for it do something about it so all these men and women had to leave the comfort of their life uh, their better life for something that wasn't conceivable at the time to a small town um, uh, beat downtown uh, a, a city a town that's like a ghost town like it only had his, its history. It used to be great at some point, but not anymore. They all went back to Jerusalem. They were all moved because God has a mission for them. There was a mission for Israel to restore the temple and the spiritual reform, uh, to bring spiritual reformation. There was a mission for Nehemiah to restore the walls and the walls of Jerusalem and also to bring a spiritual reformation. In all these stories, there's also something very similar. Number two, they all have, God has opened the hearts of unlikely people to start this journey in their life. I know it's a little bit hard here, by the way. I tried to lower it, it just didn't work out. Uh, and, and I know, don't get comfortable, all right? Don't get too comfortable. Uh, if, you have, if you need to take your jackets, take your jackets. So don't get too comfortable here. All right. They all see God moving the hearts of unlikely people. Literally, in all, the, in all this, this three men's case, something very unlikely happened. The kings of Persia were with them. So, in the first story of Zerubbabel, by the way, let me just explain the stories quickly. So, God said to King Prophet Jeremiah, for 70 years, you will be taken out of the land. You'll be in Babylon. And after 70 years, I will restore you back. That's what God told them. So they went out, just like God said, they were taken away from the land. And at the end of the 70 years, Zerubbabel was the first one to bring the first people to move back to the nation. After that, a few years later, about 60 years later, actually, uh, Ezra brings the second wave. And after him, uh, Nehemiah brings the third wave. So the, the country, the, the nation that we see where Jesus showed up and everything, it all started because this man came back and restored that town, restored that nation back to what it used to be they ushered the way for Christ's coming that's what I'm trying to say so but they all have something in, in similar all of them had kings being moved by God pagan kings kings that did not know God kings that don't have relationship with God not directly kings like King Cyrus kings like help me out here Atzarsis Atzarsis and kings like Darius 
These are kings that were Persian kings. Uh, by the way, there is something in common in these stories too. It was Daniel. Daniel was with all these kings as a second in command and everything. So he had relationship. He's been speaking the word of God about Israel to these kings. So they knew something about Israel. So when God moves them, they were moved and they were sending people and say, restore that town. Out of 120 countries, it don't make sense for King Cyrus to say, restore Jerusalem. It doesn't make sense for King Artharsis to send Israel and say, teach them the word of God. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for Nehemiah to show that kind of face and the king to say, what do you want to do? He said, I want to go back and restore it. I'm going to send you as a governor and I'm going to send you with a letter. So every nation from here all the way there, which is about three, uh, three months journey, by the way, to cooperate with you to rebuild Jerusalem's wall. It doesn't make sense for these people to be moved by God in order for this man to accomplish the restoration God wants them to do. What's the point of that? The point of that is when God moves you, he also moves things with you. Amen? When God moves your heart to do something, just, just, just don't think you're alone in that moment. God will bring the people that you never expected. God will send the people that you never thought would help you out. God will make a way for you. And that's exactly what happened. There was no way this man could have accomplished what they accomplished if God did not move the hearts of the kings. Amen? What an amazing God we serve. What a powerful God we serve. The Bible says the hearts of kings are in the hands of God and he leans them to whatever he desires. God will just shift their heart. Do this. So just like that, God will move things for you when you are moved by him. Not in your comfort zone. When you leave your comfort to dare to try to do something, it can be as small as switching your career. It can be as small as doing something with the, with the, with the wealth God gives you, with the time God gives you. It can be as small as um, serving to someone or changing things in your life. It, don't underestimate the power of living your comfort, whatever that is. You're being challenged. God will send people. God will use you to restore things. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Something in common they all had was, third one, they all had oppositions. They all faced oppositions. They all faced oppositions. If we can go to Ezra chapter 4, both Ezra chapter 4 and Nehemiah chapter 4 uh, talks about the kind of opposition uh, these people faced. Verse 1. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, Let us help you build because like you we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Esrahedon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua... Joshua was a priest at that time. Uh, he brought the people with Zerubbabel. And the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord and God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah. Everybody say discourage. And make them afraid. Can you say afraid? 
to go on building. Verse 5, they bribed. Can you say bribed? They all have points. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrated their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. In fact, I would encourage you to read the rest of the, ch- uh, the chapter. They will end up sending a letter to the, uh, uh, King Artaxerxes, and they will tell him, hey, these people are not just building the temple. They're plotting against you. And he will take their word, and he will d- discourage. Uh, he, will, uh, he will command for the building to be discontinued. So until the next king, King Darius, uh, becomes a king, it will be stopped. The building of the temple will stop because of the opposition. Now, let, let, let's look at what the opposition is. Number one, I want you to understand this. When you leave your comfort zone and when you are moved by God, automatically you attract opposition. There's opposition. Opposition is guaranteed. Nobody is going to lay down the red carpet for us and help us to march on and doing God as well. There will be opposition. Think about it. The moment you decide you want to pray, bro, bro, you just, you're so tired. You just want to sleep. The moment you decide you want to do something right with God, bro, everything around you change. Like, you know, even your best friend hates you that day. It's just, it's just everything goes wrong. There's opposition. The moment you leave your comfort zone, you say, hey, I'm going to start fasting or I'm going to do something. Bro, that day you're hungry. Hungry. I'm telling you. Normally, I wouldn't have breakfast until 10, 11. Like normally. Like I don't feel hungry. The day I decide I'm going to fast, Bro, 7 a.m., I'm so hungry. I don't understand why. Like, everything goes against you. The enemy will come out. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. And in this case, you will see the enemy going out and doing these things. But the first thing they did was to discourage them. Discourage them. The word discourage means, this is a simple uh, definition, is a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. But the enemy, the first thing they would do is they will Make you lose your confidence. Lose your confidence in your purpose. Lose your confidence in yourself. Lose your confidence in God. Make you lose. They discourage you. It's discourage you. It's, it's, it's not even, it's not even, a, it's not even a, like a big attack. It's just words. Something just to discourage you from doing what you're doing. To lose that confidence that you had when you started. I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this. It might be your education. It could be something. But the enemy will say stuff. Hey, who are you? How are you going to do it? The moment you begin, by the way. It's the moment you begin. In Mark chapter 4, we see the story of Jesus. I think Matthew chapter 4. As soon as he began ministry, when he was just about to get baptized, right about to start ministry, the first thing that he faced was opposition. The enemy came and attacked him for 40 days and 40 nights. So the first was discouragement. And the second is fear. Fear. So they could be afraid See, discouragement, when it grows into become fear, it cripples us. Discouragement is, hey, you can't do it. It's not going to work out. It's just little things. But fear is, you're afraid even to do anything. We're not going to go read it. But if you you go to Nehemiah chapter 4, the threat was so high, literally they said, we're going to attack you. We're going to attack the wall. We're going to attack you so you don't finish building the wall. So what uh, Nehemiah decided to do was for each builder to hold a, a spear in one hand and to build with one hand. Spear in one hand and to build in one hand. 
They're like, okay, there's a threat. We're going to fight, but at the same time, we're going to continue to serve. Amen? Amen? So they wanted them to be afraid. <coughs> Number three is bribing them. Money. The temporary things of distraction. When the enemy knows, when the enemy knows, he can't discourage you. When the enemy knows, he can't make you afraid. His next step is, he'll try, he'll try to bribe you. He will try to show you all the things of the world. Just like he did with Jesus. He took him to the top of the, the temple and he showed him, hey, all this, you can have it all. Money is powerful. Comfort is powerful. That, that wealth is the things of the world that can choke us down. So he, the enemy came and he used all those things to frustrate them. To frustrate them and to stop them. You'll see that in common. In common. So when restoration begins in your life, once you begin, something new starts to happen in your life, the enemy will not just sit. He will throw things at you. So what's the remedy? Keep doing what you're doing. Amen? Keep doing what you're doing. Zerubbabel started it. He finished it, the Bible says. Nehemiah started it. He finished it. Through all this opposition, even though it was discouraged to be built, they continue to do what needs to be done. So what's the lesson in this? Let me just wrap it up quickly. The lesson in this is get out and fail so he can restore you. Get out and fail so he can restore you. Just get out of your comfort and do what needs to be done so he can restore you. Don't be afraid because there is opposition, church. All of you, don't be afraid because there is discouragement in your life. Don't be afraid because there is uh, opposition coming your way and there are things that didn't planned out as you planned. Trust that God will restore you back. Amen? God, he will, he will restore you back. He will restore you back. I'm going to go back to what I started with. There is no story in the Bible where restoration did not take place. There is no man and woman of God in the Bible that impacted. It's almost rare to find people that didn't have a, a time of down, a time of where, a time of like you know, giving up, a time of throwing things where God did not restore them back. That's what it is. He wants to shine in our lives. Let's take that courage, get out of our comfort zone, and be moved in whatever God is trying to move you. Amen? God will take care of the rest. Let's stand up and pray together. I hope that message was a blessing to you. Uh, keep what you learn in your heart. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. God bless.